welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me on Election Eve. The phone number is 877-973-7425. We are prioritizing questions, not comments. On the phones today, if you got questions about the the midterm, the way things work, how things will play out, uh, give us a call. Um, be patient if you're on the line because I got to talk to you about a couple of stories uh, real quick. Uh, first of all, I got to play you this from Lisa Lerr at the New York Times. This is pretty telling audio coupled with this other story. We've never lived through this before. The pollsters have no idea if they're right. They think they're right, but maybe their sort of assumptions about who's coming out to vote is wrong. Uh, Democrats are really excited about the surge of early votes, but we don't know. We know that Republicans vote more on Election Day. We don't know how many of them are coming out. We just we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Here's a headline from the Daily Beast. Pollsters have no effing idea what's going to happen this election. It's by Matt Fuller and Roger Solenberger, the progressive activist reporters who rushed out the story of the woman who allegedly Herschel Walker paid for her abortion. Let me read you this. If the pollsters and handicappers end up being spectacularly wrong on election night, there's one group that won't be too surprised, the pollsters and handicappers themselves. The 2022 midterms could go exactly as modeled, a 20-some-odd seat pickup for Republicans in the House, maybe a 51-49 GOP Senate. But the people who watch these races the closest are also warning they might be wrong in decisive ways in either direction. No one really knows because, like every election, pollsters are extrapolating their best guess based on a set of assumptions. But unlike previous elections, the assumptions are getting bigger. According to Dave Wasserman, the U.S. House editor of the Cook Political Index, the big problem is response rates suck. We're down to 1% of people on a good day who are willing to talk to a pollster for free. By the way, uh, the response rate is way higher among Democrats than Republicans. Here's the thing, though. These are progressive partisans. Lisa Larry at the New York Times is a progressive partisan, and they're all on TV saying, hey, guys, hey, guys, we don't really know. They don't do that if Republicans are losing. If Republicans are losing, they come out with assurances that the polls are right. Yes, Virginia, the pollsters are right, and the Republicans are going to lose. They only do this when the Democrats are going to lose. On top of that, there's something else. Now, you need to sit down for this. You actually really, truly need to sit down for this. Eric Geller is a writer at Politico, and he has this story out today, and I need you to sit down for this one. This is the opening. The 2020 presidential election was rife with allegations of voting machine hacks that were later debunked. Yet there are real risks that hackers could tunnel into voting equipment and other election infrastructure to try to undermine this Tuesday's vote. That's right. It was fraud and a conspiracy theory when you thought it was going to happen. But for Democrats, it's legitimate. 
Now, I don't actually think that it was legitimate then or legitimate now. Because by and large, the uh, the voting equipment is not tied to the computers. I mean, here in Georgia, there were a number of, of accusations that there were voting machines connected to the Internet. Uh, all of them were not true. There were machines that had been connected to the Internet. They were not the voting machines. They were other machines in the polling locations. But the media flat out dismissed these things when it was Republican-sated, and now they're like, yeah, it could be true. We could be losing this election through theft, Democrats. They're blaming Elon Musk. Elon Musk has started to, to um, get rid of blue checks, and the blue checks on Twitter are outraged. They feel like they're in a privileged position. They think that Elon Musk is going to help the Republicans with disinformation. By tomorrow evening, we're going to find out that black men are the new white supremacists in this country. Now, here, here's my point on all of this. These things don't happen if the Democrats are winning. In 2020, there's a guy named David Shore. David Shore went to college when he was like 13 years old. He's, by all accounts, a very, very bright data analyst. And he polls very well for the Democrats. He, he, he does great polling does great statistical work. He knows how to dive into research and read the trends. He worked for Barack Obama. In 2020, David Shore announced that Democrats needed to back away from the George Floyd riots, that defund the police was an issue that would kill them at the polls. Now, I need every single person listening to me right now to actually truly pay attention to me. You've got to pay attention to me right now. If you only listen to one thing that I say today, you must listen to this. David Shore lost his job in 2020. He was the most popular pollster on the left, and he lost his job for telling Democrats they needed to shut up about defunding the police and they needed to take a firm stand against the riots after George Floyd, it was going to alienate the middle class. And he lost his job for telling Democrats the truth. He landed on his feet. He's now kind of a cause celeb on parts of the left who believe the left has gone too far to the left. But he lost his job. Now, fast forward to last week. Eric Wimple writes the Eric Wimple blog at the Washington Post. He's a media critic. Back in 2020, Tom Cotton put an essay in the New York Times that the president of the United States should call out the National Guard to quell unrest in the nation. And New York Times staffers went nuts, said it put their lives at risk. And Arthur Schultzberger fired James Bennett, the editor of the New York Times, who had approved Tom Cotton's column. According to Eric Wimble's blog, the New York Times went through a show of revising and trying to fact check the article after it was published as a way to delegitimize it and say they made a mistake. And they fired the editor, James Bennett, who had approved it, though he had nothing to do with the actual op-ed, nothing to do with the fact checking. They fired him for putting Tom Cotton's op-ed in the New York Times in 2020 that said the president should call out the national. 
National Guard. They fired him about the same time that David Shore lost his job for saying this would go poorly for Democrats at the ballot box if they continued down this road. And Eric Wimple in his blog piece last week said for two years he kept his mouth shut because he was scared of what would happen to him if he spoke in defense of James Bennett, the New York Times editor who got fired. Why would any reporter in America tell the Democrats a red wave is coming? Why would they risk their job? Why would they risk personal harassment? Why would they risk reputation to tell the Democrats the truth? Why would they do that? There's the line in Scripture, a prophet is not welcome in his hometown. Isaiah, the most famous of the Old Testament prophets, was killed. Most of the prophets were killed. It did badly for them. They told the truth. They were killed. Do you know of, of Christ's apostles, of the 12 apostles, 11 of really it was 13 of them. Of course, Judas did what Judas did. They brought him Matthias. 12 of the 13 apostles died horrible deaths. Paul, I guess you could call him number 14 to a degree, was beheaded. Peter was executed upside down. You know, when the Portuguese discovered India, in the 1500s, they showed up, and there were already Christians there. How did the Christians get there? Well, they pointed to a tomb and said it was Thomas, the apostle. He had been killed, murdered, delivering the gospel message to the Indian subcontinent. A population of Christians exists there that has existed for 2,000 years. All of the apostles were killed. People who deliver good news are sometimes murdered. People who deliver bad news, prophetic news, they can be reviled. Why would members of the media, given what happened to David Shore, given, given Eric Wimple's expressed concerns, why would they tell the Democrats doom is coming? They, they have no invested interest. Here's what I hear from reporters all the time. Some of them are pretty open about it. When we on the right are disagreeable with them, we tend to still be nice. When the left disagrees with them, the left tends to be horrible. They're scared of the left. And unfortunately, there are people on the right who say, well, we should be as horrible as the left. No, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. You don't want to risk your soul to be like the godless. But I am convinced that doom comes for the Democrats tomorrow. Maybe I'm wrong. But I know the patterns, I know the ebbs, I know the flows. You don't get the New York Times going on CNN saying, well, the pollsters may be wrong. You don't get Roger Solenberger of the Daily Beast, a partisan progressive hack, writing, well, the pollsters don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. You might as well go vote. You don't get those stories if the Republicans are going to be toast. You get those stories when they're too scared to tell their own side you're toast. 
That's what happens. It is the pattern. It is the practice. It is the rhythm. It is the rhyme of an election season. And then you get the Politico out, seeding the ground early. Well, you know, hackers could break into the election. I know it was crazy in 2020, but it's a real concern in 2022. No, it's actually not any more so now than it was then. The difference is that the Democrats are on the losing side, and Democrats never have to admit they were wrong. They never have to accept responsibility for an election. They always get to make an excuse, and the media always believes it. Whether black men or the new white supremacists or Hispanics were deluded or angry white people went to vote. They always get to come up with an excuse, so they never have to admit they move too far left. 877-973-7425 is the phone number. When I come back, I will take your questions about the election. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here, coast to coast. The phone number 877-973-7425. This is the time for questions from callers. I will begin with Lewis. You're going to be up first today. Welcome. Eric, um, after the elections are over, we're, we're still going to have to deal with China eventually. Yep. And coming down to Taiwan, and I'm just kind of wondering, are we too far out? For 2024 to having some coherent leadership when it comes to them protecting Taiwan. You know, um, I actually think that it's one of the few areas the top Democrats and Republicans agree on is uh, Taiwan. By the way, there's a new story that hasn't gotten much play here yet, but uh, get ready. It's going to happen. Uh, turns out a Canadian uh, media investigation shows the Communist Party in China funded 19 candidates for office in Canada uh, by funneling money through the Chinese embassy there. Uh, Big story developing up north of us, and this is probably happening globally. The Chinese, interestingly enough, uh, are now visiting Saudi Arabia to lock in oil contracts for China. I don't know that Biden himself given some of his administration ties, takes China as seriously as they should. I'm glad Trump did. I know DeSantis does too, Nikki Haley, Tom Cotton, although Tom Cotton announced he's not going to run for the presidency. We've got to take China seriously. We've got no choice. Uh, Tony, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Tony. Yeah, I got a question for you. It's just been on my mind. Um, What are we going to do about, you know, we got a a group of good Republicans that can run for president, and then we got Trump, the Trumpsters, and then the Republicans. How can we prevent the Democrats from taking advantage of a battle for them beating each other up for running for president? And, you know, then then whoever's going to get the be president, would they be able to choose a good vice president? I mean, this thing is not, you know, we got so many good candidates. 
and uh, how how are we gonna you know yeah uh, how is this okay. gonna be smooth? So here's the thing. Um, I uh, I think there's a report out today that Donald Trump wants to announce as soon as today he's going to run for president again. Uh, he's feeling the blowback over his DeSantis remarks over the weekend attacking DeSantis. Uh, I don't think he gets a pass. I, I think DeSantis runs anyway. I think other Republicans do as well. Uh, and I don't think Trump can get the Republican nomination in 2024 if someone like DeSantis gets in the race. Uh, what I think is going to happen, here's my theory of 2024, and I can be wrong – willing to be wrong, but this is my theory right now, subject to change. My theory is that Republicans more quickly than most gravitate towards a candidate, and the Democrats break apart into a massive 2024 primary. I don't think Joe Biden gets a pass in 2024, particularly if Republicans win the House and the Senate, and I think they do. And the reason is because they really believe Republicans are a threat to democracy, and under Joe Biden, the Republican control of Congress is restored, and their ability to confirm judges goes to zero. As a result, they become furious, and as a result, I think the voters, if the Republicans gravitate towards a non-Trump candidate, they go to the GOP. I don't think Trump can sustain himself through a Republican process in 2024, in large part because the big donors will withhold money this time. And Donald Trump is like Smog the Dragon from The Hobbit. He wants to lay on his gold. He doesn't want to spend his gold. Look at Look at what's happened right now. He raised $100 million and barely spent any of it to help J.D. Vance or Herschel Walker or Blake Masters or Dr. Oz, the candidates that he endorsed and got them their nominations. He's barely spending any of that money. He doesn't want to spend money except on himself, and I don't think he wants to spend money on himself for 2024. I think he wants to be in the spotlight. I think he wants to be in the limelight. I think he sees 2024 as that, and maybe he will run. I think the GOP would be foolish to nominate an 80-year-old who could only serve one term when literally any other candidate running for office could serve two terms. I think we have the chance for a fresh start, and the Democrats are stuck with the past to run, but we need to be able to do that. We need to be able to put our foot forward with a candidate who can run. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Can I just say, you know what I never thought I would miss in my life? Erectile dysfunction ads. I am so tired of political ads these days. Now, I don't want to bite the hand that feeds me. God bless you candidates for pouring money into the radio and TV stations of America. As someone who works in radio and television, I appreciate the pennies from heaven or hell that you are sending us to tout your candidacies and attack others. But as a consumer of television and radio, Please, I want Dr. Schwartz back on the radio. I, I am tired of these advertisements. I want the ED ads. 
I want the funeral home ads. I want the annoying uh, ads that I complain about all the time. I want the 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 kids in cars. What's the one eight seven ten? Whatever the jingle is, that's so annoying. I want those ads back, please. I'm so tired of the Abrams ads and the Warnock ads and the Walker ads and the Kemp ads and the Republican ads and the Democrat. Ads. My gosh, am I tired of them? I tried to watch that football game last night, and I used the streaming service to avoid like the plague. The, the uh, cable TV ads, and still I got them on the streaming service, too. What is notable where I am is that there were no Stacey Abrams ads, positive Stacey Abrams ads. Uh, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, the University of Georgia game on Saturday against Tennessee, there was not a single pro Stacey Abrams ad during the entire game. There were pro Brian Kemp ads and anti-Abrams ads. There were no attacks on Brian Kemp. There were no positives for Stacey Abrams. There were Walker and Warnock ads. There was nothing for Stacey Abrams. She is toast, absolute toast. Same thing happened in Texas, apparently. No Beto O'Rourke ads uh, the last weekend of college football in Texas. He is out of money there. Uh, I wonder what he's going to do. I wonder where he's going to go. Now, having said all of that, I'm happy to take your questions today, 877 877- 973-7425 is the phone number if you want to call in. A lot of you have questions in the run-up to tomorrow's midterms. I got more to say, but I really do want to spend some time with you guys because tomorrow, I, I got to be honest with you, um, before I get to your calls, prayers appreciated. I'm going to try to do this as emotionlessly as possible. Um... A a friend of mine lost his wife over the weekend. She has battled cancer for a very long time. They have four kids, just a wonderful family, and I'm I I I've been praying for Evan and his family. Um, and I don't know him well. We've we've gotten together a couple of times. I really want him to design my future radio studio. He's just a brilliant designer. And it, it kind of weighed heavily on me this weekend because tomorrow is my wife's cancer scan. Uh, I think all of you by now know that my wife has a form of cancer for which there's no cure, but it can be held, the, the tumor's frozen in stage four without spreading by a pill she takes every day. And every three months she goes and gets scanned to make sure that the pill is still working. And tomorrow is election day. It's kind of the Super Bowl of politics. And my intention had been I was going to pre-record the first hour of the program tomorrow so that I could be with her at the doctor. And the reason is because I have been through these things since the 90s. There is no new news on Election Day until after about maybe 1.30. Things start to roll in. You get special access to early exits and trend lines. The early exits are deeply unreliable, but you can start to interpret some data. And so I knew, I mean, I could have last week recorded tomorrow's show and it would sound fresh and new and invigorating to you. One, I'm professional and two, I know the rhythms of election day. Nothing happens. And I could go with my wife. Well, then they called this morning at the crack of dawn and told her that actually they've had to rearrange her, her doctor's appointment and so it's going to be at a time there is no way on God's good earth I could get there to the hospital 
to be with her tomorrow. So her parents, before she even told me, my wife's such a trooper, she called, her parents are going to go with her uh, since I won't be able to. But that is looming over my head on Election Day, of all things, her scans. And we've both gotten to the point, I think, where we take it better than we have. But still, it's it's tomorrow. It's Election Day. My wife will see whether or not her medicine is working or are her tumors growing. And it is very much the sort of Damocles. This, this you know, and listen, um, I don't want to be rude. And this may sound rude to some of you. But some of you are right now rushing to your keyboards to send me an email to tell me about your miracle cure or this person who did some miraculous essential oil or some hydrogen peroxide water that cured them of cancer. I, I've gotten them all. I don't need any more. Just, just spare me. Uh, we have come to accept uh, that this cancer is genetic if she were to get a lung transplant, um, it would just come back in the new lungs. Um, there's, I, 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 we, we, we have hope. Don't get me wrong. We have hope. I'm just really tired of all the people who try to sell me that the crackpot cures and they email every time or, or I get lectured on having a cigar because Rush Limbaugh got the same cancer my wife had because they think it was from smoking and it wasn't from smoking. It was genetic. It gets kind of frustrating, people who mean well and actually are deeply harmful. Uh, it's, there's a maliciousness in some people's kindness. So I don't want to be rude. I, I, your prayers are appreciated, but just please, every time this comes up, I get overwhelmed with the emails of people who have this miracle cure. If only you would go float in this particular saltwater spring somewhere and drink hydrogen peroxide straight out of the bottle, uh, your cancer will be cured. Y'all would you would be amazed, and people are shameless. I'm still guaranteed to get some old person sending me an email about this, and I don't mean that pejoratively. I'm sorry again. I'm trying not to be rude. I just I I. Uh, particularly a couple of days after a friend loses his wife after her long battle, uh, y'all would be amazed at the number of people who reach out with their miracle essential oil cures for cancer. Uh, and they're completely unfamiliar with your type of cancer, how you got the cancer, why you got the cancer, but they are an expert. Uh, and it's frustrating. And uh, I get more tense than I should, particularly on when I can't go with her, and I want to, but I can't. Uh, and it's just frustrating, but your prayers will be the salve, and I appreciate them very much. Uh, I know she does as well. One of the sweetest things we ever got in the mail was very recently an elderly couple in Wisconsin had been on a pilgrimage. They're devout Catholics and got the monks at a monastery to pray for my wife, and it was deeply touching, very sweet. Uh, that they would go through the effort and remember her on their their and the, the, the remarkable thing, by the way, is that this couple they're from Wisconsin and they listen to my live stream every day. They they don't even get me on the radio; they just discovered me on through Facebook and and listen. And I was deeply touched by it. But your prayers are appreciated. That is tomorrow. I'll keep you updated on how it goes. Right now, again, uh, your questions. 877-973-7425. Rob, you're going to be up next on the show. Welcome, Rob. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Eric? Great. Uh, I live in Dunwoody, north of, the, of Atlanta. I know you have a national program, but uh, this vote in Georgia is, uh, you know, is, is uh, nationally centric. Oh, everybody's paying attention uh, to it. Yeah. And here's my concern. First of all, let me tell you that 
I hope to meet you someday because I grew up in the in the oil business. My father was in the oil business, and we lived in Indonesia, Tripoli, Libya, when King Idris was still in power, and then moved around the world. But that's another story. But um, I'm worried about this Herschel Walker election in this respect. If he doesn't get 50 percent, then you know how it works, mm-hmm. and your your audience knows how it works in Georgia. Runoff. You got to go into a runoff election, and. I'm just worried that this geriatric, neurotic, narcissistic Donald Trump is going to announce he's running for president. And that's going to suppress the Republican vote, just like it did to elect Raphael Warnock to office. Now, let me just tell you this. I had my Trump signs in my front yard for his first election, his second election. I went and saw him uh, when his airplane landed south of Macon. I went on my own at the last minute. Um, years ago, I'm a Trump supporter, but his time is over. It's over. And by the way, I collect antique cars. We get together in Dundee here every Saturday, and these guys were all but one, maybe seven or eight of them, Trump supporters, and now all but one want Trump to bow out. Yeah, yeah, Rob. Look, I, I gotta, I gotta cut you off there. I'm afraid your your phone quality is suddenly like taking a dramatic turn for the worse. It is kind of sad how we've gone from the the quality of a landline phone to the convenience of a cell phone, and then sometimes you get in a cell and, and they start getting garbled. I got the point though. For those of you who couldn't understand Rob there at the end, uh, he's he and his friends they're ready to move on from Trump. Here's the thing: I actually am more and more thinking that. Herschel Walker wins without a runoff. I actually do believe that Walker wins without a runoff. And the reason I say that is I have talked to a lot of very knowledgeable Republican pollsters who have been, they do like the big private polls, like Chris Wilson is one of them who was on here last week. He is my favorite pollster in America. He does a very good job. He was the only pollster in America who showed that Glenn Youngkin was going to win in Virginia, but his poll was a private poll for Glenn Youngkin. Uh, He doesn't do a lot of public polling. And he is convinced that the undecideds in Georgia after the first week of early voting broke decisively for the GOP and have never gone any other way. They just keep breaking harder and harder for the GOP. And the inflation numbers in Georgia uh, helped a ton. And the uh, good economic news from Brian Kemp's team helped uh, solidify that vote and that that vote is going to carry Herschel Walker across the finish line. I will tell you, my understanding is the Walker campaign made the decision to go for broke and spend all their money to try to avoid a runoff. Uh, and I think they're probably going to do that. I think they're going to avoid it. Pierce, welcome to the program. Pierce, how are you? Hey, you're good, Eric. How are you? Good. What's going on? Oh, not much. I just want to let you know I'll be praying for you and your wife. I just lost my daughter a month ago to cancer. So. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry for your loss. Um, but I, were, I was thinking that with a red wave coming, this is my question, is wait until after the first of the year, someone in his cabinet, because if, if the con- I read it right, it has to be someone in the cabinet to invoke the 25th, and then it goes to Congress. Uh, it's got to be and the vice president and a majority of the cabinet. Okay, okay. So I, I, I knew I had to come through the cabinet first. Would a Republican Congress run held Congress? Would they would they would they agree with the cabinet and the vice president, or would they keep Biden in office? for another year and a half. Oh, I honestly, so here, this is such a good question, Pierce. Um, This is the dirty little secret in Washington, D.C. 
literally <clears throat> everyone yeah. in Washington, Democrat and Republican, thinks that Kamala Harris is a bigger disaster than Joe Biden. Uh, I think the GOP would gladly allow Kamala Harris to be president of the United States for the next year and a half and crash the remains of any sort of Democratic hopes for 2024. She would be just a deeply incompetent president. I mean, we think Biden is bad. Biden's bad because he's ancient of days and has trouble staying awake. Kamala Harris is bad because she won't put in the time to do the work and then blames everyone around her when she screws it up. Uh, and That's a malicious level of bad. It would be bad for the country for Harris to be president, but I think the GOP would be like, all right, uh, let's let her do this. Um, if the results are really bad tomorrow, maybe Joe Biden steps aside and just lets her have this disaster and crash the rest of his administration into the ground uh, before we get a Republican president in 2024. It's, it's The Biden-Harris administration is just disastrous, and the fact that they call it the Biden-Harris administration instead of just the Biden administration means they both own it. To go back to that George Will column last week, it's time for both of these people to be put up, to, put out to pasture. Now, if you're a Republican, if you're a conservative, forget the GOP, forget the party, if you're a conservative, you want to get better at making your arguments, if you want to get that deep-seated well of knowledge that gives you the facts on your side and the figures on your side, you should consider joining Americans for Prosperity. Now, listen, in all honesty and candor, yes, this is a paid advertisement, but you should know I'm a fellow at AFP, and I'm doing this because I love them. Uh, I would give them the airtime for free, but they stepped up and they wanted to pay for an ad, and I'm like, heck yeah, would love to have you as a sponsor. Why do I like AFP? Because they're not just an abstract think tank in D.C. They actually go into the states and they try to make you a better person at what you do as a conservative activist. And I like that. Uh, they're not there to make you take their side on issues, but they are there to give you the data so that on those issues on which you agree with them, you are far more articulate and persuasive than people on the other side. They believe in free markets and free people. That's another reason I love AFP that they haven't gone wobbly over the past few years where it seems like the conservative movement, what was up is now down and what was down is now up. AFP actually believes in free markets and free people. And you can join them by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. They will teach you how to be a great grassroots activist. They will give you the data and knowledge and depth of information you need to advocate for your issues. americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. There's probably a local chapter near you. I know there are great ones in Florida and Georgia, Ohio, around the country. They've got them, americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are nationwide, they can help you. If you're a business that wants to grow and you need a big loan, they're a big deal and they make their own lending decisions, reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com. Uh, Keith in Orlando, if you're listening, Keith at WDBO in Orlando, I, I got to say this for my entire national audience. That event on Friday was fantastic, and I have thought about that event and the people who showed up on Friday uh, every day since. I had so much fun at WDBO doing a live lounge broadcast there. It was just a ton of fun, and I was deeply, deeply hesitant to want to do an event with a live studio audience, but they asked me to do it. They were kind enough to put me on noon to three at WDBO, and I said, you know what? Let's go do this. 
And I went down there and I hung out in the morning with the the ad team and the ad sales folks and, and some of the advertisers on the station and then had that live audience for my broadcast. First of all, I'm a little jealous. The live lounge setup at WDBO compared to my flagship station is pretty incredible. How much uh, it's it's a really nice venue and and we we need to up it at our at our flagship. Uh, we're owned by the same company, but also I gotta say, uh, the people who were there were just delightful. Every single listener who came just had a was was a gym and just just uh, delightful to be there. Uh, it was great hanging out with them afterwards. It was just a lot of fun to do. I thoroughly enjoyed that. So Keith, thank you for pulling off just a fantastic, fantastic day on Friday. And then I did get to see my Uncle Leaf on Friday night I and my Aunt Jan, which was great. Uh, and had a good time at the Corona Cigar Place as well. The Corona Cigar, which I've ordered cigars from them. My goodness gracious, did they have a fancy store in downtown Orlando. Nonetheless, I, I, I got to move on now. Um, I, I want you all to do something for me tomorrow night. Turn on MSNBC, please. I know, I know, but y'all, it's going to be glorious. Tomorrow night, the meltdown on MSNBC is going to happen. I know it's going to happen because of what I have to talk to you about when we come back. This is John Biden or John Joe Biden's pollster, John Azalone. This is Joe Biden's pollster, John Azalone. He says this could be a paradigm shift election. A paradigm shift election. This is me shaking up the show on the fly because I had something I was going to talk about, but I got to ditch it for this because this is really big news. When we come back, John Aslan, Joe Biden's pollster, is talking about how this is going to be a paradigm shift election or could be. You need to know what he means because it's really way more significant than the Democrats are really paying attention to, and it beckons a brave new world of American politics if Joe Biden's pollster is right. It also is a recognition of how badly the Democrats have it going forward in this country if Biden's pollster is right.